space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. again in real time and recorded time in no time out of time whatever it is uh this is episode 86 of the code 47 podcast on the secret friends podcasting network uh brought to you this week by the good folks at manscaped our very first sponsor get 20 percent off their products and free shipping with the code sfu at manscaped I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later in the program, but oh my gosh, you guys, it's Monday. You know, it's weird because usually uh, when our listeners wake up on the odd Monday, they have the show right away, but we're recording this in the evening. I'm going to push it right away because we had a little bit of activity, the three of us going on this weekend. Guys, what were we up to? Comic-Con. Oh, I was going to say... Um, harassing the Mandalorian booth, but also comic Well, that too. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that, that did provide the vehicle for that. Yes, what we're actually talking about here is uh, Katie and Peter and I, uh, and by the way, for new listeners of the program, I'm Charlie Carden, your Trek Lord of West Michigan. I'm joined as always by the fantastic Katie and the fantastic Peter. Hello. Say hello. Hey. Hey. Um, and the three of us uh, are part of the USS Grand Petoskey, which is the uh, chapter of the Starfleet uh, Star Trek International Fan Club here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We had our biggest event of the year, which is the Grand Rapids Comic Con Fall Show. Um, we have a great booth, a lot of interactive stuff, props, sets, all that uh, different good stuff. But what we had, uh, thanks to some brainstorming of our members, was a great uh, annual meeting with a wonderful silent auction where we've raised, and I have been sharing this on social media today, uh, but we're very excited, over $1,100 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Michigan, which is just just blows my mind. Um, so you guys, you know, in, in, in 30 seconds or less, what, what was your Grand Petoskey, Grand Rapids Comic Con experience like? Peter, you first. Well, I was only there for one day, but... <laughs> um... It was great, just you know, meeting a bunch of new Star Trek fans, um, showing off some of the computer stuff that I have found because I like you know playing with Starfleet Elkar's interfaces, and so we had one mm-hmm. of those at our fun. booth, and so got to show a bunch of people that, and it was just great hanging out, doing random stuff, and and then we got to take pictures for the podcast, which was hilarious. Oh my God, it's going to be so great. We uh, we use local photographer, Dustin Valkama. Uh, we're going to be able to bring that work to you guys uh, within the next several weeks. You'll be seeing it kind of as uh, taking the lead as our uh, promotional material. And I'm very excited. Katie, uh, what, what's, what are your thoughts on GRCon? Um, this was my first time at the con. As a Starfleet ensign, I have been as an artist, um, but it was... Kind of the same, but a very different experience. I have, you know, obviously experienced, you know, being in a booth. Um, but I was really excited to just be able to share um, Star Trek with folks. Because the nice thing about being in a fan booth versus being in an artist booth is when you say hello to someone, they don't automatically assume that you're trying to sell them something. Even and, though we were. 
And we did a great job. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's not as heavy because it's just like, hey, do you yes. like Star Trek? Because if you do, this thing will like, like, if you don't like Star Trek, then please, by all means, don't feel forced to sign up and give us $5. Because <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. we will not take advantage of it. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just really nice to reconnect with a really amazing community of folks. Um, like I'm wearing my little my little Star Trek bow in my hair that I got from Dapper, Dapper on Arrival. Uh, they are not our sponsor, but I will plug the hell out of them because I love all their stuff. And um, the owner is from there. Oh man, I, I have some gonna... of your bow ties. Premium stuff, folks. Very beautiful, oh. geeky stuff, and a lot of really. It sounds like. Favorites. You might have the opportunity with this plug if they get a little bump in sales uh, to maybe talk to them about something a little bit more formal. But we'll leave yeah, that maybe. for uh, we'll leave that for another time. But anyway, it was a great experience. Uh, we had our first annual meeting and, like I said, a silent auction, which helped us raise between that and then the, the donations back at the booth, uh, that great amount for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Michigan. So it was really it was spectacular. Um, can't wait for the next show. They have a, a show in the. Uh, in the springtime down in Kalamazoo, which we'll also be at. So if you're living in Michigan, you can come see us there. So anyway, enough of the plug, plug, plug. Now it's time to move mm-hmm. on and talk about some star trekking. We are uh, have two episodes of Prodigy to talk about. Now, uh, admittedly, like last time, I did stick in the long summary. Please don't read it, but it's there for reference. So uh, who's going first? Peter, you want to go first? You talk first, so you're going first. You can take it. Okay. All right. Uh, Season one, episode 12, Let Sleeping Borg Lie. Um, So in the previous episode or the episode before that, we found out that there's a weapon hidden aboard the Protostar. Um, And so... They're trying to figure out what it does, and they come across a hibernating Borg cube. Whoops. And then our intrepid crew decides to board the sleeping Borg cube to see if the collective can analyze and adapt to said weapon so that they can uh, disable it or get rid of it. Um, Shenanigans ensue. They wake up the Borg. (laughs) As you do. Um, Eventually they get away, but there's, there's some collective nonsense. That goes on. Right. Right. So um, what did you think of the episode overall? Um, I generally liked this one. There were some things with the Borg that I nitpicked a little bit um, because that's just what I do. Uh, <laughs> what? You be a stickler for canon? Never. No. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like, the fact that these basically were, you know, TNG Borg, not voyager board because they were just they, they looked like they were white paper sheet with you know car, with tubes coming out of them they were yeah. low, low, they were low budget animated board which i thought was just so weird but like we were talking about last week you know you think with animation it would be a little bit more like well, they, later clone wars and earlier clone do, wars they were just so yeah they the, the one thing that i did think was kind of fun was how they were able to bring in like different body shapes for the borg like you had like right a, this giant reptilian thing and like there were other non-humanoids that were assimilated which was kind of cool right Um, and then you know they had they assimilated zero for a hot second Um, right so it's just interesting to see how the borg would adapt to assimilating things that aren't you know two arms two legs yeah right based off of homo sapiens (laughs) so yeah they, they they had a kind of a like the episode of Enterprise, uh, 
the what was it was it assimilation or assimilated the one where you had the Borg but it wasn't really the Borg because they yeah. never said their name so it wasn't really them but it was like the convenient oh hmm. the the pseudo Borg in that episode plugged nanoprobes into Dr. Flax but he was able to give himself a strong enough shot of penicillin or whatever and he made them go away it's just like that was kind of the deal was with, with zero in this and I guess that kind of no this one me. zero overcame the Borg by the power of friendship and family Vin Diesel would be so proud well, <laughs> okay I actually kind of liked that part <laughs> it was okay but like the 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 canon nerd in me was just like ah I mean it kind of works because of what we saw in best of both worlds but it was one of those like the board don't care about okay. the board don't care about friendship name of the episode I mean but um, to be but to be fair from best of both worlds we do know that like having an emotional response a very strong emotional response is especially towards friends or family can help. So like it worked, but like it was a good thing. I liked it, but there were, there was a second there where just like, huh? Yeah. That also Uh, like, it didn't make sense when they were like, okay, well if you just don't act aggressively, they won't bother you. But then they weren't acting aggressively. They were just chilling there and they got all attacked. And then they were like, no, no, no. After everybody's been captured, no, no, just don't attack them and it'll be fine. And I was like, but, they already yeah, attacked them. <laughs> they kind of like flip flopped between it, which yeah, was they kinda like did. again. I have nitpicks about how they used the Borg. It was cool seeing them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, but how they did it was like they kind of mm-hmm. flopped between as we as you said TNG and like later with how right. they deal with people. Yeah, so and I was, agree. and I know. Go ahead, please. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, I I will say I did really like because that was one of the first things I noticed. Um, Peter was that they had like different alien species because it's animation. It was a lot easier to do like different representations of the Borg because it seems like everybody that I remember seeing as a Borg has been human, even though in know, first contact we saw like a Klingon <laughs> and right, there's yeah. been there's been a Vulcan or a Cardassian here or there yeah, kind of sprinkled in. But somehow yeah. even in the entire galaxy it seems like the only people they assimilate, even though there's been, you know, thousands of races they've had contact with <laughs> it's just it's just been humans. <laughs> yep. Oh my! There's a, there's, a there's humans everywhere. Oh my god! There's a Voyager-related chuckle that that we'll run into in later earlier episodes. But when Neelix was uh, talking to Seven in an episode that I was referenced recently, uh, the Kazon came up, and Seven said the Borg bumped into the Kazon and figured out they weren't worthy of assimilation and just let them go. <laughs> Could, couldn't be more correct, but we'll get to it. Yeah, I'm kind of the I'm kind of the downer on this episode because it just felt like it was. In some ways, it kind of did what it was supposed to because this is a 100. It's on Nickelodeon. It's geared for kids, so it gave you a very you know kindergarten version of the Borg. Like we came along, and then this thing and that thing, and we were able to get away, and the power of friendship saved us. And we flipped a switch, and they were all gone. So it's just there's been so much more depth to the Borg that's just felt very shallow to me. I mean, yeah, I'm there's that I'm honestly okay with using like a kid version of the Borg for this one, because the Borg are supposed to be terrifying. Um, and so if you you use, if you use the Borg as they're supposed to be used again, and there's points in like newer star Trek where they haven't been used correctly. Like, and I'm even, I'll even throw Voyager under the bus a little bit there. Um, but like if you're using the board correctly, they they're supposed to be legitimately terrifying, and so it, right. I was okay with how they use them for a kids show, especially if so the, you're like 
you this is your introduction to Star Trek. You've never seen the Borg before. <laughs> like this is body a horror. little bit no, this is a little, little bit more of a <laughs> this is what I'm dubbing the a little bit more of a happy meal version of the Borg. Yeah. You know, it's kinda kind of McDonald's light. There we go. All right, that's what that that's what I'll call it. All right, final thoughts before we move on. Um, um we there was the side plot that I forgot to mention where Janeway finds um where they oh, right. brought the diviner back in the previous episode. Right. And so that mm-hmm. he wakes up um, and they, then they plug him back into his serum. So then he's starting to like wake up and then they're like, Oh, the protostar is around and it must not be Chakotay in command. Someone stole the ship. Cause he says something about the ship being stolen. And so then now right. they're like, now it's like, this isn't just a search. It's now a rescue and something. Right. Anyway, the man hunts or man camera. Yeah. Ooh, um, I mean, I, I like what they tried to do with zero. And I think again, it's just the fact that mm-hmm. it's a kid's version of the show and they're not really doing like kids filter with adult feelings. It's just no kids filter. Um, yeah, right. because again, zero is zero and Gwen for life. Those are my two favorites. Right. And I liked the, great. um, <laughs> the fact that like they had to go and deal with who they are and what they are and how they hurt, like in really like, almost killed or destroyed the mind of Gwen. And so I thought that was a really, it was a really nice attempt at making that, like to build those character dynamics. But again, I just was, yeah, the very happy meal kind of fluffy version of it. Um, (laughs) I love this happy meal. But it was a good, like, yeah, I agree. It was a good thing with how they, I think, I think they did, they did well for a kid's show. Like yeah, for a genuine yeah. kid show. And this is, you know, I'm coming from it from like, I'm currently wearing a centaur world shirt. So I'm, I'm a fan of the kids shows. <laughs> I'm just used to them. Like really punching you in the gut <laughs> when it comes oh my to God. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move on. Katie, this next one is yours. And I got to already, I got to say I'm a fan, but yeah, go for it. It's yours. Okay. Um, this was season one, episode 13, all the world's a stage. Um, and so, um, after uh, the end of season 12 or season 12, <laughs> episode 12, when they realize that they cannot um, contact Starfleet lest the um, de- all deadly weapon, living weapon thing um, virus infects Starfleet and destroys Starfleet, um, they now have to real- figure out how to be Starfleet without being Starfleet. So they decide to answer some distress signals where they end up meeting the Enterpriseans. <laughs> and I have to say, the one that was James T, the way that they just totally made fun of how uh, William Shatner speaks and his inflections was probably what made this episode. Because even though I am not a huge, like, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the original series, I just know that that's something that's been made fun of a lot. <laughs> Yeah, they they definitely took oh. his like they took the impression of him and then amped it up to eleven. Yes, right, it exactly. Was like an SNL skit level type it, of it. It was Jim Carrey's version of Kirk. That's what. Yeah. It was. Oh yeah, the, the Wrath of Farrakhan. If you're familiar with the old In Living Color TV yes. show, Peter, very you, much. You and I, oh, that was very very you, good. Yeah, um, and I loved it. And uh, Peter, you probably will have gotten an Easter egg that that not, not necessarily would have made a lot of sense to Katie, but. The crash shuttlecraft and the guy who informed them or who told them all about the Enterprise and everything. It was the Galileo, which is the classic shuttlecraft. But the dude 
was Garabic, who was yep. the son of Kirk's original captain. He was featured in the episode Obsession about the the cloud or whatever. So it was Katie. In 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 short, they took a very minor minor guest star for one episode, and then this was his fate. He got lost in shuttlecraft. Yeah, I had to like so go Cannon. back and double check who he was because like I know that name. I know he's yeah uh, exactly seen him somewhere. <laughs> I figured he was just a generic red shirt as, with as many red shirts that died in the original right. series. <laughs> right. Yeah, You'd all think, of the shirts actually all of the shirts the the Enterprising were were green. So I mean, it's is that because you know the planet was just perpetually green or the goo field that was causing the sickness was green and it was great they were all like terribly like they were all stitched together but they were all wearing like commander's ranks and science badges which i thought was kind of funny even though garavik was wearing a red right with no exactly so well that's yeah this is fun i I think this is probably this was this was star trek does galaxy quest (laughs) right yeah this without a doubt my favorite of which is great of season 1.5 so far i think um they really nailed god i meant to rewatch both of these days april and i have been watching walking dead and we're in like the final season and the final episode is on two weeks so we're like racing through the last ones so I, I neglected my star trekly duties so i guess you can take me out and take me out 30 lashes with a phaser on this one but i thought it was i thought this one yeah frangy whip i thought this was a lot of fun it was good they they got their mission done and um and it doesn't say in this but we get a little bit more of the the the, the admiral janeway story on the uh, prometheus uh, or am I think? Did we just see that? In the Lance Dauntless is her ship, and then the the, uh, yeah, and the protostar. Gotcha. So, so they do a little, and more. they're they're really teeing it up in the next episode because I saw I saw and posted a news article today. Will be the next episode is when they meet Okana, and then Janeway catches up with them, and it's the clip and Zindi apparently, and the Zindi, which Katie, that's from Enterprise. So never mind. <laughs> It's not your cup of tea, um, but yeah, this was fun. Any any final thoughts or other thoughts about this episode? I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, but we all know that I'm a sucker for TOS. Right. Um, I um, have a new character that I want to throw at the airlock, um, which is Jenkum. Jenkum has taken my position of wanting to throw him out the airlock. Dal is yeah. getting better. Um, in this episode, it did actually have some kind of vibes of Dal dealing with the fact that he's not going to be able to be Starfleet, and that was kind of his main yeah. goal and like what it yeah. means to be like to call yourself Starfleet. You know, kind of I guess like um, self-diagnose yourself as Starfleet versus you know getting the right. official official paperwork. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but Jankum hasn't really had any character development yet. No, he's, he's kind of. of a- yeah, he's like just like a coward, but also like really prideful and just. I mean, Tellarites tend to be fairly belligerent and prideful, so that's that's on brand. But it does it doesn't help too much. But it was also really off off brand that he didn't even know that he was a Tellarite until they yeah that was a little station. And the guy, the guy was running them all through the machine. Says, "Hey, you're a Tellarite, and they're a blah blah blah." This, he's like, "I'm a founding member." And then, yeah, it's like his natural, you know, dickishness comes out. It's like, "Oh, well, that was really a not a step in the wrong direction for that kid." Right. Well, and it also makes it feel like it's like the nature versus nurture thing, where they're like, "No, it is not cultural that they are like have like a prideful culture. It is that they are just naturally prideful and kind and of obnoxious." Yes. Yeah, obnoxious. <laughs> and I'm like, that feels. That feels not very fair. <laughs> yeah, right. It seems a little exactly. weird. Yeah. Um, no doubt. I also did like, um, I mean, how Dahl had to deal with getting sick himself and then, you know, having to rely on everybody else and zero. Right. Ha- like, 
I don't know how to do any of this. Like, well, Zira, you got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so they like, well, they seem very confident. Doll, on the other hand. Yeah. Doll's not so not much, right. but you know, they put, they put him <laughs> on the bed and then they had like Dr. McCoy talk to her, t- mm-hmm. talk, to, talk to Zero. Like it was, yeah. um, it was just great. Yeah. Cause it's like, you had these characters who weren't the original Star Trek bridge crew, but they definitely were emulating them. It's like, right. They, they, it was, they were like the bones and kind of the cliff notes version, right? Like just yeah. like they, it they almost sounded like they had George Takei doing a cameo. I didn't look it up, but it almost sounded wow. like it him. almost yeah. sounded like, yeah, they were like, do, do Sulu just not quite. Yeah, it almost sounded <laughs> like were, all the accents were just, all just not quite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also, <laughs> I also just really appreciated how they brought the actual TOS visuals back. I know that I'm going to get kicked for that by some people, but I really, really liked how like oh, it, was the, you're right. it was the classic TOS yeah, class right. F shuttle. Not, it was the classic not, phaser, yeah. the classic right. communicator. The sound effects weren't quite right, but like the classic bridge console, which was another thing that I also thought was great was how these characters had been like taught by Garavik how to use certain things with 23rd century technology. And so then doll needs a crew. So they go up, and then Janeway reconfigures the bridge to be with 23rd century um, consoles. The train, the train and then these, wheels, yeah. these Enterprisians can actually fly this 24th century ship using 23rd century interfaces, which I thought was right. fantastic. Um, I, like, it's all compatible. It's just hilarious. Yeah. I, I both loved and hated that because I was like, okay, so they like lo- got lost in translation in over a hundred years. They can't right. remember live long and prosper. Or James <laughs> T. Kirk, but they can remember how to specifically navigate air thrusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, right. there, like there's a disconnect there, but it was still really fun. Right. Probably. It was still, yeah. I was like, okay, this is my own like nitpickiness coming out where I'm like, there's that. Join the dark with the finesse side. of being able to angle yeah. through a collapsing cave. Sure, <laughs> they also oh, said, our, what, live our nit- our, Yeah. God, I can't, I can't remember now. What, what would they, they say? Did oh, this, God, is it, they did the live two logs and proper. In the yeah, live, sure. live logs and really proper. Yes. Yeah, yeah, live logs and proper. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, so I just thought stuff. it was a stitch because, you know, I'm just getting Galaxy Quest vibes, which is hilarious. Oh, yes, you know? absolutely. But they're, like, yes. so much less competent than the Thermians because they don't have <laughs> technology. Um, the so historical just, documents. So. It's yeah. good stuff. I loved this episode. So, like it's yeah, it's totally, definitely totally. goofy and it's not going to be for everybody, but <laughs> right. I loved it. Yeah, and it definitely it was grew. Good, on it was me a good match. as it as it went as it progressed. It definitely grew on me because when they first showed up, I was like, I don't know about this. But by the end of it, I was like, okay, yeah, that was cute. That was fun. Yeah, at first you're just like, <laughs> okay, this is just like fan service, and we're just doing something dumb. And but then it it got better, and it, and like. Yeah. You know, Gwen had something, and and Doll had something, and and yes. Zero had and, something. And, Rock and, and Murph were just kind of like doing something off on the no, side. No, Murph is Murph's in a cocoon. Yes, that, yeah, but like yeah, he didn't, that, that he didn't do much moment, until right. that. But yeah, yeah, right. he was very very sick for the last two episodes, and this one now he is in a little cocoon. So I'm very excited to see what he turns out to be. Yeah, right, and the, we and we know it's gonna it's gonna happen in the next episode because that's what was teased in the Star Trek Day clip because uh, he's on the bridge and they turn around and and Rat goes, "We have a development." It's very sitcom. Now the question is, are we gonna hear D. Bradley Baker speak now? Oh, I don't. That's know. who's voicing just, him. Yeah, it's just making <laughs> pops and chirps and stuff. I don't know. So with this, we are almost halfway through 
the season. So this is episode, yeah, this was episodes three and four, and, and we have a total of ten. So the question is where we are going. I mean, there's going to be this big conflict, and Jane, the real Janeway is going to catch up with them, and the Diviners on that ship, and the big weapon. And so the next the next episode, I think, will probably be a blowout. It'll be very exciting. So I'm fired up. It's good It'll stuff. be great. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, the first segment of the show. Peter is going to leave us. But, Peter, where do people find you out there on the interwebs? So you can find me on the interwebs at Petrus Aquinas on most socials. Um, You can also find me over at the Roll and Review YouTube channel, uh, which posts sporadically. (laughs) And you can find me returning this week um, on ELH's channel doing a Star Trek Adventures game where I play a Zindi captain. Oh, my goodness. You're blowing up all over the place. Well, cool. All right. We're going to take a little uh, pause for station identification, come back and do a little plug for our sponsor, and then we're talking about Voyager. So we'll be right back. Hey, that was easy. We are back. We're talking a little bit about Star Trek Voyager getting into our third segment of four, where we're breaking down season two of that show. But first... Wanted to talk a little bit more about Manscaped. You can support our Secret Friends Unite podcasting network by checking out the good folks at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, as I mentioned at the top of the show, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SFU at manscaped.com. Uh, you can find a link in the show notes below. But yes, if my math is correct, and it isn't always, but I think I got it this time, Katie, that's 12 million balls, which is really something I don't want to think about. But you know what? It's an undeniably a big success. Not that not that it would be a new real house, but anyway. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, pop on over to Manscaped, manscaped.com. Code is SFU, save yourself 20%. But anyway, getting into talking about Star Trek Voyager. Now, admittedly, Katie, last episode, you had a little bit of an issue with uh, one of the episodes, as I remember. I did. Um, And hopefully we are headed out of that territory, but only time will tell. So we're actually going to be taking on seven episodes as opposed to six last time because I tried to intersperse them. So we weren't just blang, blang, blang. Um, But why don't you jump off and uh, start talking to us about episode 14? Yeah. So um, episode 14 is Alliances. Um, It was uh, directed by Les Landu and um, written by Jerry Taylor. It aired in January 22nd of 1996. And this is the one where Janeway attempts to form an alliance with the Kazon to improve Voyager's standing in the Delta Quadrant. And I love and hate this episode. <laughs> sure. There's a lot of, there's a thin line between love and hate with a lot of this stuff that, that Janeway ends up getting stuck doing, you know, because it's a lot of like, oh, I got shitty choices because it's just us out here. What are we going to do? And this episode was a great example of that. So please tell me more. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily hate the idea of, you know, kind of the enemy of my enemy deal or, you know, let's try to find some way to get around, you know, the Kazon conflict that's been happening and how to get through the Delta Quadrant. And I really, really love the speech or like the kind of conversation that her and Tuvok have when Tuvok's talking about Spock and how he was able to bring like the Klingons and the um, Federation together for the Alliance and how even if, you know, we create a temporary peace while we're here, 
it might lead to a longer lasting piece if they know what that can be like. So I was like, that's really cool. Then they introduced the Trabe and (laughs) they're like, and that that actor too had two roles in a row in Star Trek where he was just a total dick bag. Cause his first, like I mentioned, I mentioned this once before in a season early season six episode of TNG, he was this guy who was an ambassador that had the, with this little rock, had the ability to make somebody his, his vessel for his, his bad thoughts and like all his stress. And he stuck it to Troy and it turned her into an old lady and was going to kill her. Have you ever seen that one? I think I, I know I have, I don't remember it exactly, but what a dick. And then he ends up being in this episode and it's not an improvement. No, absolutely not. Well, and especially because he's talking about how basically they gentrified and redlined the Kazon. I mean, it is very, very indicative of, you know, the, I mean, basically from the fifties, to the you know current as far as how you know the uh, black population in America was treated um, and how they were yeah, assumed right. to be as far as being violent you know degenerates um, animalistic right. and then he's like but you know that was thirty years ago and I was like this is where that Star Trek <laughs> math is really really bad because he's like talking about how he right. remembered that he was eight and he had to flee because he's like well I didn't know they were treating being treated badly and being kept uh-huh. basically in You're you know. Right slums and you know cages that's not my fault and then we had to flee because we treated them horribly and now they're pissed and they're like but that was 30 years ago I'm like yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and yeah yeah right oh my god oh <laughs> like, i, I yeah, wonder why it, they're upset at you <laughs> yeah right and why yeah and why because you've obviously never done anything to rectify yeah it. you basically like enslaved pissed. them and trapped them for generations and you know treated created a warmongering race because they were constantly fighting for resources to survive and gee you're wondering right. why now they're fighting for resources to survive <laughs> yeah right not even a simple my bad <laughs> you know right. um and in the end of this it's just it's very typical you know this guy is you know his, his solution to uh bring about the alliance or the piece that janeway was looking for because obviously he seems to voyager crew is like well let's just kill all the leaders man that is absolutely going to make everything all okay so janeway comes right back to yeah pretty much this was a shitty idea and they managed to just get away you know kind of uh kind of with their skin intact but another message about starfleet principles Obviously delivered in a kind of convenient fashion. Yeah, I was and, no, little, and nobody really died. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that Janeway, when <laughs> the guy was explaining this, that like, because I think Chakotay was the one who was like, yeah, that was 30 years ago. And like Janeway wasn't like, what the heck? No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not siding with you on this. Absolutely yeah, not. Right. Like, what? Right. no, you're not going to be involved in these discussions. Absolutely not. You need to figure this shit out on your own. Like, where is the prime directive in this instance? Exactly. I mean, one could argue that maybe she felt so desperate. You know, they had lost people. The ship was in bad shape. It's like this is our last chance. But still, in the end of it, I mean, that that was one of the chief complaints of, for example, Ron Moore, who was a writer over on DS9, who went on to create your reimagined Battlestar Galactica, which is one of my favorites, is that that ship and that show just continued to get more grungy and torn up because they were never able to fix it. You know, so every time it would get dinged up, it would just continue to look crappier and crappier. Now, ostensibly, Voyager, if they have power for the replicators, they can build new things and whatever. But, you know, the ship always looked like it just rolled off the, you know, every week it looked clean. There was never any, like, you know, right. I'm like, okay, everybody's on replicator rations. 
you know, right. like Kim had to do like two weeks worth of replica- replicator rations to make a freaking clarinet or whatever. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and, and maybe in so much that the replicators were rationed because the main part of it had to go to making new parts. Yeah, whatever. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that makes the most sense. So anyway, yeah. I thought it was an all right episode, but yeah, it did deliver the. Yeah, I wish well, that Jane they would have had. Janeway was right in the AM. Yeah, I wish that they would have taken more time to explore, like, continue with this narrative with the Kazon and actually right. looked at how this impacted them and what this backstory was. And it's kind of like what you and I were talking about um, at our panel during Comic-Con, um, where there's a lot of meat and potatoes that's kind of left, you know, in the crockpot, so to speak, because we're just with this one ship in these one moment in time. So we don't get right. to stay and watch what happens elsewhere. Right, right. Which is obviously the advantage of the other terrestrial Star Trek shows where they're yeah. in a federation that, you know, maybe they can come back or, you know, the it's something with the Klingons and you can continue to explore and then they'll come back and stuff. So, yeah. But with the Kazon, you know, deemed unworthy by the Borg, as I mentioned in, season, in the first segment, yes. <laughs> um, people were pretty, pretty glad to leave them and their disgusting hairstyle behind so oh well <laughs> um anyhow moving on uh episode 15 uh it's in infamous this is the one that we were talking about in the panel because it was recently there was an absolutely beautiful um tas slash t-man slash filmation style spoof of this one was done i believe it was this past summer that i I almost just feel like we should probably go ahead and share on the sfu page uh once i publish this um because of the way we're referencing but anyway episode 15 is threshold uh was directed by alexander singer a story by michael deluca and teleplay by brandon braga who's one of the mainstays of the show from january of 1996 tom parrick's Breaks the transwarp barrier in the shuttlecraft Cochrane, destined to reach warp 10, but then he begins to evolve. We talked a lot about this one in the panel um, because, <laughs> the, because the sheer amount of, huh, in this episode, you know, yes. so yeah, Tom Paris breaks the, the, the warp 10 threshold, which in Star Trek parlance means you're, you achieve infinite, infinite velocity, you're in every place at the same time, which means Voyager could be home in a second if they could perfect it. However, it conveniently or inconveniently, depending on how you look at it, forces him into a stage of evolution of becoming a lizard, which is something that we evolve from, which then leads us to the conclusion that evolution is a big circle. Yeah, so they, they looked like lizard giant, man, man lizard. Newts. Yeah, they look like giant newts, like right. pretty much. So right. I was trying so to they, I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> you know, so they you know he goes to he, he goes to this transformation. They figure out you know a convenient techno babble. Well, we got to plug him into a chamber that we plug into the warp core that we can control to do you know, warp particles, and that just gives him a chance to escape, which he does, but he kidnaps Janeway, and he jumps in the shuttle, and he's a lizard man, but he still can figure out how to fly the shuttle, so obviously he's, even though he can't speak because he spits his own tongue out at one point, which is was yep. kind of gnarly, without a yeah, doubt. Yeah, this was definitely kind um, of a body horror type episode. Absolutely. Um, so he flies off with Janeway, and then there's this big break where it takes a few days. Voyager catches up with them. Chakotay and, and Tuvok and an away team beam, beam down, find them. They zap them, but after, you know, so they don't get away. 
But when they do, three lizard babies pop out of their nest and swim away. So deadbeat dad and or, you know, deadbeat mom, Janeway Paris, now have babies out there left behind in the Delta Quadrant detention. Do you think they even lived? I mean, did they need their parents to live? So many unanswered questions. But uh, uncared for lizard babies, those child support uh, payments will be through the roof. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. this is yeah, as, CPS is going to be all over their ass. <laughs> I guess yes, exactly. Starfleet CPS or whatever they have in the Delta Quadrant. But anyway, this was very beautifully spoofed. Like I said, not that long ago, with an adaptation that just kind of plugged in the Star Trek: The Animated Series slash He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which was more a thing when I was growing up, uh, from the studio Filmation and. <laughs> The, only, the thing that's the most memorable, and I love that one because we did the same panel that, that you, April, and I did at the show this weekend. We did with Lori, who's another member of our club back in the summertime at a different show, and it had just aired. And just the part of Chakotay when they find the lizard and he just brings his hand up to his mouth. <laughs> it's just evocative of the meme with the Barbie that goes. <laughs> I just, oh, I just absolutely love. But yeah, what a weird, very Star Trekky kind of episode. So obviously they figure out Transwarp's not going to work, and so they just kind of have to abandon technology, even though the Borg make it work. So whatever the you know, right, that's yeah, Borg that's what I was thing. trying to figure out. I'm like, the Borg can do like faster than warp travel. So right. how like right. how do they how do they do anything? They just have a different uh, flippity flabber on the yeah. flappity do. I have no idea. It's <laughs> Some, some weird loved, bullshit, but I gotta say, I loved the um, scientific explanation as to how this worked because be- his DNA was evolving. So the doctor was able to find his original DNA. So they destroyed the mutated, evolved DNA, and then his original DNA just took over and he de-evolved. I'm like, I have a basic like, <laughs> high school biology from a very rural school. And I understand that is not how DNA works. You, you can't make Ooh, DNA like, do a flip flop for you. No. <laughs> I'm like, oh you my. can't just yeah. destroy DNA and then be like, don't worry. It'll clone itself back to normal. <laughs> it'll just, it's spinning this way. Now it's going to spin this way. And it'll, yeah, turn, it'll it's be like, fine. It's like when Superman flew around the earth to make it go backwards. It's as easy right. Exactly. It was a very, exactly. yes, this was very much exactly. Superman exactly. flies backwards. Uh, we oh evolved backwards. And don't oh even, don't even God. get me started on the, the, I remember watching this the first time and just being like, why are, right. why are they amphibians? Why, why right, did they turn exactly. into giant newts? This makes zero sense. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So anyway, I do an episode that has a little bit more meat on the bones. You go, yes, go right ahead episode right. 16, please. Episode 16 is Meld. Um, that was directed by Cliff Bull and a story by Mike Sussman and teleplay by Michael Piller. Um, and that one aired February 5th of 96. And this is um, crewman Lon Sunder, or Suter, excuse me, murders Suter, an Suter. engineering, yeah, engineering crewman for no apparent reason. Tuvok mind melds with him to ascertain his motive, but it causes him to become aggressive. So I really, really like the, um, yeah, it was a hot mess, um, but I love, I love the, um, oh, I love Tudor's race. What is, what is his species? He's a, he's a, he's a Betazoid, the same as DNA. Betazoid, that's, I just kept thinking Bajoran and I'm like, it's not a Bajoran. Right. But he is, and I think they did, um, they gave him they gave him very dark brown contacts because I think that's a thing with the species. Yeah, the Betazoids have like Marina, the black Marina Sirtis have real real black eyes. Yeah, and right. he is a he is a full. They make it sound like he's a full Betazoid, which means he's a telepath. 
but he doesn't really he doesn't really illustrate that he the way when he tends to talk when he's talking to Tuvok when he's in the um, when he's in the, the in the brig in the jail cell he makes it he makes it sound like his abilities are more like Troy's where he senses emotion so maybe he is not maybe he's you know half human just like Troy's but they don't really touch on that but anyway. Yeah, I mean, because he does, um, he does, he never communicates with Tuvok telepathically. Um, right, exactly. Yeah, he definitely, um, it definitely seems like there is something um, different about his, uh, like the way that his abilities manifest, because even when he's talking about like feeling, he says that he does not feel emotion. And so it seems like it's very much they're taking that angle of like a sociopath or psychopath of like what it would be like to have a Bajoran who doesn't actually have those types of emotional connections. Right. Um, You just said Bajoran again. So that's that's two merits. It's a B. It's one of the, it's one of those B races. Yeah. Sorry. I got distracted because the cat decided to climb across my lap right when I started talking. (laughs) I know I haven't, I haven't had a visitor yet this evening. It's weird. Maybe maybe um, I still will. Yeah, but I really um, enjoyed kind of the um, like thought experiment that it made Tuvok go through because Tuvok, who's all logic and reason, was like, well, there has to be some sort of explanation for this behavior. There has to be some reason. And he's like, no, he just looked at me weird. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt like yeah, killing right. him. It's like, oh, there so, I yeah, go so, killing again. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tuvok can't really wrap his head around sociopathic behavior. Maybe that's something that's so because maybe to him it's something that's so uniquely rooted in emotion that he just can't really click with it mm-hmm. um so i thought this was a wonderful episode this was oh absolutely one and, this and and then a couple of other ones that we see throughout this segment we we have some really we, we're starting to get into a crop where i think voyagers can start to turn a corner and get into some decent consistent storytelling yeah. I, I really both, really um, did like the exploration yeah yeah the actors who play Suter and tuvok just did a phenomenal job um, and anyone who tries to tell me that Tuvok is cold and emotionless, no, he is a sassy, sassy man. That is oh, the but, sassiest. That, he's, he's always so very snippy with Neelix. I mean, that from the moment they meet, you know what I mean? That, perhaps the you work would, that perhaps he, that you would care for has. a bath. Yeah, yeah. Just everything. Yeah. You look at him and you know, you know exactly what that man is thinking. And he is not pleased with you because he right. is not going to put up with your lip. <laughs> yes. It, it, Papa, don't take no mess. That's that exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! No, Tuvok is. Yeah, I've always said I like Chakotay despite despite some of his shortcomings, and then I really, I really love Tuvok as a character. So yeah, I think that this is a, a, an example because again, we're <clears throat> more than you know through the halfway point of season two, and where mm-hmm. I think we're really starting to get get some decent momentum. We get some great character moments, and I think we got some good ones in the next one here. So episode uh, seventeen is Dreadnought, directed by Levar Burton, Jody LaForge himself. Uh, Gary Holland is the writer, not a name I'm familiar with, from February of '96. Uh, a highly advanced Cardassian AI missile has been reprogrammed by Belana Torres in the past, uh, when she was a Maquis, mm-hmm. so a few years prior. Uh, it's found in the Delta Quadrant, having ostensibly got there the same way the Voyager did. And its damage programming is leading it to potentially destroy a Voyager in a planet that looks like its target. So uh, this was cool. This was a um, an example of something that in TNG parlance they called a bottle show, where they use a lot of existing sets because... Aboard Dreadnought, it was it was Deep Space Nine. 
because you know DS9 is a Cardassian station, and it had all the all the panels and the lighting and the coloring just looks very similar. Um, but I thought it really delivered a good story about Bolana and kind of her evolution from being this you know chip on her shoulder, you know snarky Maquis to being somebody who really cares about. Starfleet stuff and saving lives and rectifying this horrible past mistake because you know the Maquis they were they were freedom fighters they were doing they were by any means necessary we got to kill the Cardassians before they kill us so you know we're gonna I'm gonna reprogram this missile to crash into this fuel depot and kill all the people there because they're the enemy um, we're here you know someone with an attitude like that might be like well you know so it's not really our problem let's just keep going and say love Um you know, and she. I, I, I see it as a as as growth for the character. Oh, really absolutely! Like and you can definitely tell <laughs> the difference in um, the hubris she had when she took over the um, the dreadnought and she reprogrammed it because, like, you know, when she did it, she did it behind Chakotay's back because he was he did the "I'm not angry, I'm disappointed," um, which everybody knows that's worse. Uh, when she when he found out, yeah, when she he found out that she had done this and sent it after this Cardassian um, base that they were going, I think it was a fuel depot they were planning on destroying. Yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> she was like, no, 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 I programmed it so that it's like AI is evolving, it's adaptable, like it is. I think I thought of everything, and so nothing can possibly go wrong. And uh-huh. now after every yeah, and then <clears throat> you know, conveniently, you know, uh, that's that's when the narrative narrator props in and goes but actually something did go very wrong <laughs> yeah so this was a morgan freeman moment in fact it yes. was not carefree and easy exactly so yeah, so, yeah, so in the, in the it, yeah it was <clears throat> a lot of her dealing with her past self and having to face the ugliness of the person she was and how much she has grown to not, not i don't want to say despise but just really um dislike who she was in some of the actions and motivations that she had because she did it out of a lot of ignorance and hubris for her own part, because she thought like everything was very black and white for her at that moment. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I loved it. Definitely. Like I said, uh, a direction, I think that we've mentioned this season that I think the next three episodes are all excellent, but get ready for some big guest starring action in episode 18. That one's yours. All right. Um, we have uh, Death Wish, which was directed by James L. Conway, and the story was by Sean Pillar, and the teleplay was by Michael Pillar. Are they related? I don't know, but there's a 50% chance they are. I have to look at <laughs> later. All right. Well, this one aired February um, 19th of 96, and the crew encounter a member of the Q Continuum who seeks to end his mortal life. And I loved it because when I was watching it, I have... Uh, I use subtitles, and so they referring to him as Q2. <laughs> oh, which is weird subtitles. because when we actually met a, a second Q, it was played by actor Corbin Burns in an episode of TNG, and they called him Q2. So I guess yeah. Q2 is an interchange. And then when they bring on actress Susie Plaxon in a later episode, she also played uh, Worf's baby mama, who is the mother to his son. Uh, she was Lady Q, and I think you, we'll find her. That's in season three. We'll find her in yeah. episodes of that. So. Um, um, but man, oh man. I <clears throat> love the other Q. He is just so... Yeah just fun and there's just a gentle wholesomeness to him and an inquisitiveness to him um, that really gives you a different look at the continuum. And you realize that not all, not all cues are alike. Um, I mean, and obviously Q shows up, which love, always love having Q around. I really wish that they didn't do the weird hitting on Janeway sub 
line. Yeah, that they, they, that was, that was they gross. leaned in pretty hard. Yeah, they were all yeah. cashing all their chips on that one. Yeah, so um, that part I would say no, and I am kind of like I understand why they did it because ba- this, as the story goes, this is kind of the um, data hearing trial version of Voyager. Right. Um, where, you know, this Q wants to become mortal because he's been alive for millennia and millennia. And he's like, you know, I want to be mortal so I can commit suicide because I have lived everything. I've done everything. There's literally nothing left for me to explore. And rather than allowing him to do this, because the Q continuum is not entirely sure how that will impact their own culture in life, um, they stick him in a tiny little chamber in a comet. Um, which, right. you know, kind of fate worse than death at that point. He's been trapped in there for 300 years. Janeway accidentally, you know, and the crew accidentally release him and he <laughs> immediately tries to kill himself again. Um, but then um, he accidentally uh, gets rid of all the men on the ship <laughs> because he's a little Whoops. rusty. <laughs> the ship of the Valkyries, um, I think is what uh, RQ says. John Delancey. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, of course. Cause he immediately comes in and makes a comment about how um, a woman can't be a captain and then says something about the ship of the Valkyries. <laughs> it's oh like, my oh, God. <laughs> um, but it does like, there is an absolutely amazing speech that the second Q gives about, you know, his, free will and his ability like mm-hmm. when does the state get to decide over someone's you know indeterm or individual determination and right. it's a really really great um just philosophical discussion and i really really enjoyed it for that reason and ultimately he kind of changes q's mind um because he is made mortal um janeway does decide in his favor despite q telling her like if you decide in a way that the continuum thinks is favorable, we will get you back to earth. No, right, but like, exactly. you know, with a literal and, and, snap of my finger. Exactly. You wouldn't just do that yeah. anyway. <laughs> exactly. Like it wouldn't be. Yeah. And, and I know in a later episode, he's like, well, thanks for helping me out. Here's the thing. Oh, this will cut three years off of our journey home. I mean, maybe he's following some Q prime director, whatever it is, but Who knows? I don't know. Great performance uh, in this. Uh, John Delancey had some weird lip balm on in this whole episode, which if you watch, it's just like his makeup was a little too weird and bizarre. Maybe it was lighting. Yeah. Like his, his lips were really, really dark. Yeah, exactly. He had almost like a purple, like lip liner on, which was very strange. It was too cold on Voyager. They weren't paying their heating, but it was. (laughs) Um, And I loved a, we get an appearance by. Jonathan Frakes is Commander Riker, which was a big hit. Nitpick, he shows up and he knows Janeway, which makes sense. But he's also wearing a TNG badge, not a Voyager badge, which means that he's from far enough in the past that he wouldn't have actually known that Janeway was the captain of Voyager. So there you go. That's my little nit to pick. That I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been picking it for 25 years because that's how old the episode is. Um, but I love seeing him. I love the the guy who was the sound tech at Woodstock who Hugh helped out. Uh, Riker, with Riker, he was his Civil War ancestor. Uh, he also jostled the tree that made the apple fall on, on Newton's head. So yeah. I just, I love, I love that courtroom scene. That was a little bit of levity in what was obviously some very, you know, heady, uh, so you know, sociological issues, which is something Star Trek is really great at. So, again, two powerful episodes in a row, and then we head into we're getting into the last two episodes we're going to talk about tonight. 
Uh, episode 19 is Life Signs. Uh, this was directed by Cliff Bowl, veteran of the series. Ken Biller uh, was the writer again, one of the mainstays from February of 96. The doctor helps a phage ridden Vidian woman whose phage fortunately doesn't make her look too gross because, you know, <laughs> that really wouldn't work out. Really wouldn't work out, would it? Um, but this is, yeah, the, her name is Denara Pelt. Just plucked that out of thin air. Things I remember. Uh, they find her. She's suffering. The doctor is able to, thanks to great Starfleet medicine, put her brain patterns into the computer. And so it can make a hologram of her. And then he falls in love with her, of course. Um, but at this point, Doc didn't have the mobile emitter, and he certainly doesn't have two, so they're stuck in sick bay in the holodeck. But they they start to fall in love, and boy, his his early adventures in falling in love, like Nara, I'm attracted to you, and wanted to know if you felt the same way. Yes, just the most <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Watching Kessa's face while that train wreck yeah. happened was because she was like, Doctor, yeah. no, no, please, please yeah. do not tell me that you're going to be doing this while basically like doing open brain surgery. Yeah, right. On this woman uh, who's literally on the, the woman literally standing right next to you. <laughs> right. Just yeah, exactly. It just really was not the right moment. But but it was great, you know, and it was it, it was interesting. The woman tries to poison her her corporeal body so that she can stay uh, you know, uh, she can stay a hologram and ultimately she figures out that that's not really living and and she can't really take the medical advance that was able to save her back to her people if she's dead. And so, you know, that leaves her and, and the doctor a couple of weeks to have a romance and stuff. And it's really very sweet. Um, yeah. I thought, so I like, I like that. This was also the four or five episodes, maybe three or four episode culmination of what we're going to find out in the next episode was, which is Tom Paris being a dickhead, you yeah. know, being, li being lippy and he's running a, he's running a gambling ring out of the, out of the holiday pool hall. And in this episode, he just throws down with Chakotay, including the super awkward show where he shoves him and Chakotay practically flies halfway across the bridge. It was like uh, watching like, um, a guy's soccer game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Bonk. Um, and so, yeah, you know, essentially, you know, the, the episode ends, at least with that part of it, with, you know, Paris has this outburst uh, on the bridge and shoves Chakotay and then gets sent to the brig. And yeah. then the episode for him is over. I think that there was some really um, interesting moments um, where, like, because part of the cure that, um, is it Denara? Din Denara, yeah. Yeah, Denara gets is the fact that um, she has to have a, basically get brain cells from Balana because of mm -hmm. the previous torture that Bellana received. Yeah, that's right. Um, Back season one, yeah, right. In, in season one. And the doctor being the doctor um, comes in and is like, well, no, you're going to give this to her because she needs it. And Bellana is, you know, saying, no, oh, I, oh, the hell I am not. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Cause she's like, you know, this was already a horrific experience for me. This was very, very tra traumatizing. You're asking me to give, you know, my captors and my torturers, you know, even though it wasn't Bolana or it wasn't um, Denara specifically, right? It was, race thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was her race, and so she is avidly fighting against it. And I loved it because there was this very beautiful moment of empathy between the two, where she comes in and is like, "Hey, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa! I understand you not wanting to do this, and I don't want you to do it if you're not comfortable doing it." And so there was very much a a really nice genuine moment talking about like bodily autonomy and talking about consent for treatment and 
where right. the line should be drawn, you know, like as far as, you know, organ donation and that sort of thing of saying, hey, no, 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 just because you can doesn't mean you have to and you should be forced to, um, which especially right. coming from, um, you know, the Viridian is a big thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Big time. And it's funny that it, it, you, and you brought it up in a way that reminded me because there was a similar uh, parallel back in uh, TNG season three, which actually you, that'll be the first season that you, Peter and I are taking on together, which we'll do once this is over. Uh, but there's an early episode, which we'll talk about in just a few weeks time. And I'll probably recall this conversation in telling you this anecdote. But in that episode, they find a crashed Romulan ship and one of the Romulans is crippled. And it turns out he needs Worf's DNA to be recovered and Worf refuses. And then at one point, the, like Crusher keeps asking him and harassing him and, 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 she says, this Romulan needs your help and or he won't make it. And Worf stands up and says, then he will die <laughs> and walks out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's a lot less empathy going on with your, you know, male, you know, 100 percent Klingons as opposed to Bellana, who's half human. And believe it or not, she's somehow a little bit more mellow. I don't know. I would love to have seen Worf and Blana do something. Yeah, I think be, that would have been. Oh, and it also is would... talking about, you know, like the what the state can enforce. Again, this is kind of going back and having a nod towards the death wish, which is when does the individual's right. rights be superseded by, you know, or could be forced to change the because of, you know, whatever. state yeah. rights. Yeah, you know, and at this right. point, you know, the doctor as a member of authority saying, no, you have to do this. And, you know, Bellana trying to keep her individual rights of being like, no, I, you do not get to violate my personhood because you want to see this thing happen. Exactly. So, no, yeah, like I said, Cracker Jack, they're, they're getting into some really good stuff. Um, so <clears throat> we wrap up with episode 20. We're closing the, the spy arc. Now, this is Michael Jonas, uh, and I forgot to mention that, but yeah, this was all Michael Jonas, who's the spy on board. Uh, it all culminates in this, so go ahead. Yes, this is Investigations. Um, again, Les Landu was the director, and we had a story by Jeff um, Schaefer? Schnaffer? Sure. <laughs> and like Bond, it. and the teleplay by Jerry Taylor, and this aired March or March 13th of 96. Um, and this one is Neelix tries to flesh out the traitor on board who has con been colluding with the Kazan Nistrum. Um, so this one uh, was very validating because after uh, you had the one... Er, very earlier where um, threat with threshold of um, Paris coming to these terms with Janeway about like how, you know, I always, I always thought I'd be someone special, you know, very white man's burden of like, everybody told me I'd be special and then I never accomplished anything. And now I feel sad. <laughs> Aww, yeah, <laughs> but, exactly you know, he takes burden, exactly. some personal accountability for that. And is like, you know, if I'm going to make something of my life, I have to be able to do that and I have to be able to accomplish it. And I can't hold everyone else accountable for my shortcomings or for just, I can't just expect things, you know, to be handed to me. And then he immediately starts acting like a total douche for the right. next four episodes. And exactly. I remember when I was Douche originally murder. watching this, I want, I was like, what, what is going on? I thought that there was some mild continuation or like continuity between the characters and what they did in one episode versus what they didn't. Am I watching right. TNG again? <laughs> Where like nothing right. matters yeah, exactly. as far as the character right. goes. So this episode then made so much more sense because it was like, oh, you find out at the end of the episode, they basically staged it to make Paris look like there was, like he was the spy and the traitor. But that was something that Janeway, Tuvok, and Paris had come up with. 
because they were afraid it was Maquise or they didn't want to get Chakotay involved because they didn't want to put Chakotay in a weird place, which, you know, right. respect, but That's also, fair. you know, That's Chakotay. And you, and you can tell why he was pissed because he's like, yeah. I'm the first officer. Why you cut? Everybody's going around yeah, me. Yeah, I totally can sucks. definitely. I can definitely see both sides because Chakotay definitely felt, you know, and he voiced, oh, so you didn't trust me. And Genuine was like, no, I didn't want to put you in a position where you would have to fight against your friends. Like, right. and try, exactly. you know, to have to, you know, basically lie to the people that you brought on this ship. Right. So, exactly. So, um, yeah. And, and again, Janeway making those tough choices, like she had to. Back yeah, mind, exactly. You know? It's, like it's, um, the, it's the, the best of all, but yeah, they had to, they, they, you know, they flushed Paris out because they figured if they let him go, he's an easy target. The case, mm-hmm. you know, Seska will find a way to pick him up. And then once they do that through that situation, they're going to find out who is the mole. Uh, and of course they do. And we've known all along because you've seen this dude, Michael Jonas, who's actor, Raphael, Raphael Sabarge, who's been in like everything. He's like, he's one of those, Hey, it's that guy. He's been in every damn movie. So you know his face. Um, but you've seen him. He's been talking to the Kazan all along. And this was the framing sequence of this is Neelix doing his like, do you guys have channel one in your high school? Like the morning. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing like the homeschool news version. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I was, yeah. Yeah. It was funny because when I was in high school, I was involved in in the TV production part of it. So it was very familiar. Yeah. But he's coming on saying, I'm going to do recipes and interviews with blah, 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 and this and that. And Harry talks him up about, well, that's, you know, that's all great fluff, but you know, eventually you're going to want to have, you know, some meat and potatoes, something serious. And Harry talked about his own experience as kind of a cub journalist which is that's my experience because i grew up doing that um and through this you know neelix takes his role as you know ambassador and you know homegrown journalist guy uh as a way to finally get to the bottom of the fact of finding out that that michael jonas is the bad guy they do have an epic struggle this was kind of convenient they have an epic struggle in (laughs) engineering those two characters during a disaster that causes they're up on the the terrace the second level the mezzanine in engineering which i always thought was the coolest set because it went around in a rectangle and there were different stations on each side but they're struggling at the the warp diagnostic council which is right in front of that second level there they're fighting with the wrench or whatever and conveniently down on the first level the 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 floor splits open into this green mass and in their fight Neelix ch- ch- chucks Michael Jonas directly into the green stuff and he's vaporized. So, you know, that was easy. No trial. No, you don't Jonas have to put, you don't have to put him in a room made, with, Lon, with Lon Suter. Yeah. Jonas had uh, made uh, the warp core was failing. Like there was, there was a warp core failure. And so like warp core right. breached all that weird stuff. But you know, you always hear about how bad a warp core breaches and how bad all the stuff is going to be. And then like it starts happening. You're like, so you guys were just able to just calm that right down, huh? What right, that, not a big deal. That happen? It's, what where exactly is. is that point of no return for this thing? <laughs> it is. It's the button all the way over on the left. It's yeah. the blue one. Just I mean, I will say, um, as a redeeming an episode of this was for Paris's character, I think this also really helped Neelix come across a little bit better. Um right. because I, agree. I I have started to like Neelix again as long as he is not with Kess. <laughs> <laughs> so, because again, yeah, we've we, talked about this. He's a horrible, right. horrible boyfriend, but for some reason, most domineering, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Bad, it bad is boy. just in that one instance that he's just a total horrible person. And then, other than that, he's super compassionate, and you know, he's. It shows that he's intelligent. He's capable. He's able to understand engineering schematics and like coding and um, log entries and recognize things in these log entries right. and in this data that other people have passed by. And even after right. getting gaslit by Tuvok, he's still like, no, I think there's something here. 
Exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I thought this was great. So, like I said, we're capping uh, what I thought were seven great episodes in this in yeah. this kind of quarter mark here. So, all right, real quick, uh, let's have a favorite and a least favorite out of this group. Um, I think my least favorite would be Alliances. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> and then I think my and- favorite would be... Um, Death wish despite the weird creepy come ons. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fair. Um, I thought Threshold was just ridiculous because of the weird lizard newts. And okay, yeah, that's I thought fair. that Yeah, I and I thought Meld was superior because Brad Dorif, who is Lon Suter, is, is a phenomenal actor and Tim Russ is a phenomenal actor. And I thought two really great, uh, really great. So, all right. Well, that takes us out, and we've just got just one of these segments left, and then season two will be in the rear view, and we'll move on to season three of TNG, which you, Peter, and I will do together. And I think I'm really looking forward to that. But without further ado, uh, Katie, take us up on out of here. Yeah. Um, for more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grand Petoskey on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed. And Katie, where do people find you out there on the intrawebs? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Quintessential Geek, and then you can also find me on Twitter at QT Geek. That's Q underscore T Geek. And then I have also been experimenting with Counter Social, um, and you can find me there at K Quinn. My goodness, you'll have to. I know that you're looking to educate Extra and, and Mark and myself. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't very active on Twitter, so um, but counter social yeah. seems to be a little bit more, a little bit less toxic. So I've been trying that one out. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> Let, yeah. I and, and as for myself, I'm less on Facebook these days, so I'm not really going to highlight that. I am still over on Twitter at the C3, kind of off of Instagram uh, as well. But uh, you can find me there. Uh, April and I, my wife April and I, also run the USS Grand Petoskey, which we talked about a lot on this episode. Uh, you can find us on a website of that name and across socials there. If you live in Michigan, if you're a Star Trek fan, we're we're, we're popping up chapters all over the place. We're opening a chapter in Lansing, Michigan. That's underway. We met a lot of people this weekend from a lot of places that might have uh, interest in your town, too. So if you are a Michigander and you love Star Trek, please get in touch with us. So yes, and Charlie that- just had a recent promotion to um, regional fleet captain. Yes, regional. I'm the, I am the regional coordinator. I am responsible for nine chapters in Michigan and Eastern Canada. Thanks for bringing it up. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Oh, if no, I have a chance to embarrass you and call attention to you, I'm going to definitely do that, Charlie. Aww. You should know this by now. I know, and I and I love you back. Thank you so much. So, oh <laughs> this is how I goodness. show affection right. by antagonizing you. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like a big, big brother, big brother, little sister thing. So that's all right. Exactly. Well, cool. All right. Well, folks, that is also. I'm going to, uh, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring. And to keep on trekking. And wherever you go, go boldly. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.